We're at the 40th annual uh, Red River Basin Land and Water International Summit Conference, and it's good to be back in person uh, with some of these folks because, you know what, they were patient uh, during COVID, and they still found a way to get their job done. Uh, we're joined now by the governor of the great state of North Dakota, Governor Doug Burgum. Governor, good to have you on News and Views. Great to be with you, Joel, and exciting you're up there in uh, beautiful Winnipeg at the historic Fort Gary. It, it is amazing, isn't it? It's one of those places that spoil you. I mean, you look at it and say, wow, i got to come more often. But, Governor, the only time I've ever met a governor that likes the legislative session is when they're gone. Uh, how is this session going for you now? <laughs> well, I'd say we're, we're off to a good start. Uh, I think there's a, a real a sense of optimism, a sense of uh, uh, positive energy about the future of North Dakota, and I think people are – here to get their work done. You've been here. You've been part of the legislature, and and know that we we're in a position right now. We got the resources to, uh, uh, you know, return some dollars, put some dollars back in the citizens' pockets, and we've got an opportunity to invest in our in our future. And you know, number one thing we're focused on is workforce because it's the thing that's holding our economy back, and that means we've got to move forward on the child care proposals. We've got to work on career and technical education and support our teachers. Uh, we got to help our local communities uh, get smarter about, you know, building uh, communities that where we can attract talent because we're competing with every other state right now for, for available talent. So, you know, workforce remains our number one priority. I want to talk a little bit, if we can, about, uh, you know, the, the state income tax and what your proposal is on the state income tax, because I know that there's been some research done. And, and you know, what are the goals when it comes to this? Because it, it appears with some of what I've been reading, Governor Burgum, that a lot of that income tax break is going to be, you know, helping the you know, the, the top end, obviously, of the income earners. But it, a lot of that money is going to be going out of state. And so I, I, I want to know your thoughts on that. Well, two things. First of all, uh, this goes back to competing against every other state. We're now we have eight states in the country that that do not have any individual income tax. And, and while it's called individual income tax, uh, we should all remember that most small businesses in North Dakota, uh, you know, aren't corporations and they may not even be partnerships. They're individually owned. And so they file. Uh, as on their own, their small business income is on their individual income tax. So when we're you know trying to get those rates down, we're helping virtually every small business in the state as well. And then when we're competing for talent, I mean the place where where we got the highest uh, you know leverage would be if we could have another 500 oil field workers here. I mean that could produce hundreds of millions of dollars or more uh, you know revenue for the state of North Dakota and and. Uh, billions of more revenue for the for the industry and for helping keep oil prices down and to our mineral owners but it's our states that we directly compete with in energy wyoming alaska and texas all have zero income tax rates south dakota's got zero income tax rate so part of this is positioning ourselves from a workforce standpoint and when you're trying to you know get lower income tax the proposal we have the bottom 60 percent of payers will pay nothing the rest of the tax is paid by the top 40 percent of earners but you know, eventually you'd like to try to get to a spot where nobody's paying income tax uh, in our state. And we're in a position to do that because we don't have three legs on the stool. We got five. We've got the Legacy Fund, Common Schools Trust Fund that are replacing all kinds of revenue that uh, didn't, these things didn't even exist 10 years ago. So we've got more economic options than other states do because of these 
the now between the two of them, it's close to $14 billion in endowment funds that flow back towards our schools and our general fund. Is there some study out there, Governor, that uh, a person can point to and show that uh, a state like South Dakota is getting more workers come into it because of of North Dakota versus, and the reason being our income tax? Well, I don't know about South Dakota, but we definitely know from talking to, uh, you know, our oil industry leaders that, that the competition from other oil industry producing states for oil workers uh, is, uh, you know, they can post a job in the states, but if you can work uh, in the same job, you know, perhaps at the same pay in a place that's uh, warmer and has got lower income tax, uh, that, you know, that, that, that can definitely make a difference. But you just talk to General Dorman, our fantastic adjutant general of the North Dakota National Guard. Now, Minnesota is a high-income tax state, but they passed a law that said that active military don't have to pay the income tax. So now we got North Dakota National Guardsmen that are living in Moorhead and East Grand Forks because then they don't have to pay income tax on that. So it it affects people's decisions uh, on the margin in terms of where you know where where they want to live. And so I uh, I think it definitely creates a an advantage, competitive advantage, and 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 it's not stationary. There are legislatures all over the country right now that are in a position to that are actively working on lowering uh, their income taxes. So I think it's the, it's, the, it's the direction we're heading, and if we're not at the front of that, it's going to even be harder for us to fill those 35,000 jobs that we've got open in our state. Uh, Governor, I I do want to compliment you because finding workers has to be a priority. You know, this whole notion that we're going to continue to grow as an economy and just keep getting lucky without workers, that's just completely unrealistic automation isn't going to solve all of what problems we have uh but if you look at north dakota we could have a debate about the income tax you just made your case that you know i'm not going to lie to you i've i've challenged that and i know people from both sides of the aisle are are challenging the role that could play uh but there's a couple other things uh governor that these are are when when you look at welcoming individuals to the state there are a number of bills out there governor that relate to the lgbtq community um they really are i mean they are going after these guys and their people that are going after them are from your party what does that send as a signal to workers uh if if you are or if your son or daughter is i mean is this the type of state that you want to live if we're going to continue to attack a community that we just don't understand, Governor? Well, Joel, as you know, uh, I think there's been over 700 bills have been introduced, and I haven't had a chance to read, read all of them. But uh, as those, uh, you know, come forward, there's some uh, some bills that I, you know, think don't help advance uh, North Dakota's position relative to workforce. And so, I mean, I always ask myself uh, when I see a bill, you know, what problem are they trying to solve? And if it's a problem that doesn't exist in North Dakota, then maybe we don't need to have that kind of red tape on, on the books. And that, you know, covers a broad range of subjects. Uh, you know, we'd like to be a state that focuses on innovation, not on regulation. And, and when you've got, you know, bills that are fundamentally about, you know, banning this, banning that, banning whatever, uh, that's a form of red tape. And, and I'm, uh, you know, someone that believes in freedom and free markets. And, and we certainly should, uh, you know, as a state, uh, think about how we want to be welcoming people. I was, you know, sharing the other day, Fargo in 1900, you know, just 120 years ago, uh, had 25,000 people. 
80% of the population of Fargo in 1900, English was their second language. And, and I know today, uh, you know, from a workforce standpoint in Cass County, where we've got the most number of jobs open in the state or in Cass County, the most number of manufacturing jobs open in the state, if anybody wants to walk through uh, any of our leading manufacturers, and you can go from anybody that's doing ag manufacturing, uh, you know, Case IH, uh, Cardinal Glass, Marvin's Windows, those plants couldn't operate a second shift. They couldn't hardly operate the first one if we didn't have new Americans, uh, you know, working at those locations. And so, we, yes, we have to be welcoming as a state today, like we were when we were founded, uh, to, uh, you know, welcoming people that are here, because uh, that's, uh, that's the workforce we need uh, need to help us keep moving forward. And, of course, uh, our country has uh, had a battle at the national level where we have been you know, shrinking on legal immigration and then having uncontrolled illegal immigration. And it just seems completely backwards to me. And I would hope that, you know, maybe now we can get to a spot where both parties could agree that we've got to increase uh, legal immigration. And this is a great opportunity for us. We've got countries uh, like Japan and China each lost, eight, they had 800,000 more people die last year than they had born. Uh, you know, countries are shrinking. The U.S. is growing. And we're still a place that is the beacon that people want to live in the world. And we should be trying to attract the best and the brightest around the world to come to our country and trying to get the best and the brightest of those to come to North Dakota. But but some of this legislation doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't. And, and the people that are advancing it are the individuals from your party. And so it isn't – I, I said this before you came on governor i did i said he can't speak specifically to legislation that isn't on his desk so i'm not trying to pigeonhole you i I, i'm really not but but governor these are going to be benchmarks uh in terms of who we want to work who we want to live here uh you know and so it's easy to play these kind of ultra conservative cards but we need workers and and i'm just going to say this governor and let you react to it i was in texas uh recently and i had a chance to visit with uh, a guy that had a roofing business in in texas and very successful trust me very successful i was down there for the same thing you were uh, down for the ndsu game and I asked him where he gets his workers. He said, well, Hispanic workers are the best workers I have, period, bar none. And I said, well, are they all, uh, you know, here legally? He said, I don't know, and I don't want to know. (laughs) So you and I both know, Governor, there is a lot out there uh, of people working that might not be here legally, and yet it's part of our, our culture and our economics. Yeah, and I and I just say again, that's why I think that we've, if we've got you know hardworking individuals that want to work in America, that's why we've got to invest in uh, ramping up our legal immigration, and that would uh, you know take care of some of the problems that we have with the illegal. So agree with agree with you on that, and of course we've seen that uh, in our state. Uh, you, you know, our whether it's uh, uh, agricultural energy. I mean, we take a look at the you know the languages being spoken. Williston and Watford City in those schools, dozens and dozens. Uh, I heard from a legislator last night that I think that there's uh, uh, over uh, 70 different languages spoken now in the Fargo and West Fargo school system. Uh, so, again, we're, it, it's, uh, we, we've got to make sure, as I said at the end of my state of the state, I said everybody, you know, you know loves this country and people say all the time we love North Dakota. But if we're going to 
love North Dakota, we probably need to start by making sure we're loving each other and loving our neighbors. And part of that is, uh, you know, compassion, empathy, and acceptance of people that, that, uh, that may have some differences from us, but that's, that's, you know, part of the beauty of democracy uh, and what we have, we have to embrace it as opposed to reject it. Well said. Uh, could not agree with you more. Governor, I want to talk a little bit about what uh, Kirsten Baszler, North Dakota State uh, School Superintendent, yesterday said uh, in, in relation to these school districts. Uh, there's, le- I'm getting notes from legislators, quite frankly, from both sides of the aisle that say that the governor is behind trying to uh, limit the number of school superintendents out there and have schools under a certain student population uh, combine superintendents. Um, so let's Let's just ask you, uh, you know, are you uh, or do you believe that these smaller schools shouldn't have their own superintendents? Well, I, I, what I would say is that, you know, when we know now, Joel, we've got close to, you know, one third of the general fund or two billion dollars. That's what the B, two billion dollars goes towards K-12. Uh, and we've got a lot of school districts that have had declining enrollment. We've got some that have had. Uh, very rapid enrollment, like, again, the you know, the three W's, the Watford, Williston, West Fargo. I mean, West Fargo growing 600 kids a year. They grow at Tioga School District every year. Uh, so, you know, and we've had a lot of things wrong with the, with the formula. The formula doesn't pay for, pays for last year's kids. Some of the schools are frozen on the 2013 enrollment. So we're paying, you know, all kinds of money for phantom students that aren't there in declining schools. And then we don't pay, give anything to the districts that have got all the challenges of growing schools. And, and then we've got a, when we, when we've done that and we've frozen people at the 2013 pay level, there's no incentive for a school board to decide to get more efficient. Uh, we got some great examples right there in the Southeastern near part of the state and the, the, uh, the, you know, the uh, educational regional educational Groups where you know they're sharing business managers and sharing you know payroll and sharing HR teams and and you know having shared administration. So I think the the bill that's been proposed, I haven't read it, but it's all about saying, hey, if we want to pay more to teachers, maybe we should try to figure out a way to be more efficient in sharing uh, admin costs. And I think that's a real, completely reasonable thing, particularly when people are concerned about property taxes, because I think over a biennium you could take twenty five million dollars out of, you know, K-12 and, and then put that money back towards teachers or students as opposed to having it be an, over, you know, admin overhead cost. So I don't think it's, I mean, of course, it'll be controversial in our state, but if you're looking at it objectively about trying to get, you know, money to the front lines and, and, uh, and get property taxes down, it was a completely reasonable thing to consider. Is there just one or two glaring examples, Governor, that that have caught your ire that that have that have ticked you off, the Joel Highcamp type words, uh, that have that have upset you in in relation to, hey, why are you paying that school superintendent so much? You only have this many kids, and it's caused you to to take this action to move this debate forward. No, well, I think it's the it's just the broader thing. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a guy like me and you say, hey, look, we got. Uh, People in North Dakota want small, efficient government, and they want to have great education for their kids. And the biggest chunk of our general fund goes towards education. And then you say, hey, has there been any substantial change to make educational delivery more efficient when we've had these really dramatic population changes of some districts growing rapidly and some shrinking? And then we have a 2013 formula that freezes, you know, freezes the payments 
to some of these smaller schools. That's how, you know, we all talk about that we've got this great thing that North Dakota pays more than just about anybody, almost $11,000 per kid per year that we pay from the state to help lower the burden locally. So that's the state portion is 11000 But if you're, if you're a, a, you know, a West Fargo, you might be getting 9500 because nobody's paying for the, the 600 new kids. And some of these smaller districts are getting over $20,000 per student. Well, that's the, doesn't, the student isn't getting twice as good of education. The money's going into administrative overhead. And so that's I, why I think, again, you just personally have to look at the numbers and be objective. I know, Governor, we only have like a, a minute or so left here, but are you going to be able to track the money that you're putting into K-12 education and be able to tie that directly to property tax relief? Well, the this has been a problem because property tax is so, so uh, – ridiculously complex because, you know, even in, you know, 42% of the kids going to the West Fargo school district live in Fargo. So they're in the Fargo city taxing zone. They're in the Fargo park district taxing zone. And then we've got cities that have had value. We have the whole state's had massive valuation increases on property uh, over the last 10 years, except for some rural areas where they've declined. So we've got some areas that don't have a property tax problem. Some places have a huge tax problem and it's because valuations have gone up and uh-huh. no one's lowered the rate they're collecting. And sure. then we got in our Governor. Oil counties. We got counties that have got over a hundred million dollars on their books in oil producing counties because of the payments they get. Uh, they would have an option to reduce property taxes, sure. but everyone's looking for state for a handout. Governor, I shouldn't have asked you that without giving you ample time to answer it. We'll call you again. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. We're, we're would love to, Joel. Thanks for uh, focusing on uh, all the important water issues up there for the Red River Valley. Appreciate it. Governor Doug Burgum, we'll be back from Winnipeg right after this.